He sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the Word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Shall we pray? Shall we pray? Oh, Father, thank you for the good work that you have begun in the lives of your people these few days. Thank you for your faithfulness, Holy Spirit. Thank you for all the great things that you have done in our lives through the ministration of your word and of your spirit. This morning, we commit ourselves into your hands. Lord, let your will be done. Your word says that you are the great physician. It is you, O God, who can diagnose each and every one of us. And it is you who can prescribe what we need, what type of touch we need from your spirit. I pray that the Holy Spirit will take absolute control of this place. Any high thing that exalts itself above you, every imagination, every thought, Lord, that is against you, I pull down in Jesus' name. Lord, let your word heal. Let your word bring light. You let your word deliver. Let your word cause us to grow. Oh, anoint these lips of clay. Cleanse this vessel and let it be a vessel unto honor sanctified, meet for your use, prepared unto every good work. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for the privilege of being a vessel that you can use. Thank you for the privilege of being a representative of heaven. Let your people never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. And I believe that the Lord has been gracious. Amen. Amen. I just spoke to my husband before stepping into the meeting. And he sends his love. And thank you for your faithfulness and your dedication. First of all to God. And then to the man that God has connected all of us to. I believe that many supernatural things have a natural look. You know, when you look at the Bible, the woman at the well, she was just going to fetch water to do a daily chore. And she encountered a life-changing man. Hallelujah. Rebecca was just going to fetch water at the well. The usual day-to-day things. And God, through that, established his destiny. Ruth and Naomi. Naomi thought that, oh, there's no bread in uh, Jerusalem. So I'm just going to this place because of her farming. But God's hand was in all these things. 
So I want to encourage you. Oftentimes, the things that God does, they look ordinary and they look natural. But supernatural things emanate from natural things. So may you see when God is trying to do something. And may you come to that place where God can do his supernatural things. And you will not miss it because you were so carnal, so natural, that you didn't see what God was doing. Hallelujah. This morning I want to speak to you about daughter, your mind. Daughter, your mind. Amen. Please, let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Daughter, your mind. Ephesians 4 verse 23. Ephesians 4 verse 23. Are we there? Ephesians 4, verse 23. And be renewed. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Hallelujah. Let's go to Romans chapter 12. A popular verse we all know. Romans chapter 12. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is our theme verse. Romans chapter 12. Okay, let's read from verse 8 so that we don't go backwards, we come forwards. Romans chapter 8, sorry. Romans chapter 8. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who are according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile or is at enmity with God, towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God. For it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But however, you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Hallelujah. Now, I believe that Every mind has a spirit behind it. And that is why Paul is telling us in Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is to say that our minds are controlled by a certain spirit. And it is the influence of that spirit that influences your thought patterns. Hallelujah. And the Bible is saying here that those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things on the, of the flesh. If you want to know what kind of person you are, 
Go through the things that you think about often. And go through your thought patterns. And go through how you think and how your thoughts lead you. It will help you to know the kind of person you are. It says, for the mindset on the flesh is death. But the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. King James says, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded, it means that there are two ways of being minded. Hallelujah. And when you become born again, your mind does not change automatically. And many of us know that. And your mind has to be renewed. It is only something that is old, obsolete, and not functioning properly that has to be renewed. And so when the Bible says, be renewed, made new again, in the spirit of your mind, it is not uh, um, wishful thinking. It is not an optional thing. It is a command. Be ye renewed in the spirit of your mind, not just your mind, but the spirit of it, the spirit of your mind, to be carnally minded, to be fleshly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Many of us don't have peace because our thought patterns are not right. Many of us don't have life, even though we are alive, because our thought patterns are not going the right way. The Bible says that there's a certain kind of mind called reprobate minds. Hallelujah. I hope you don't mind reading a few scriptures. Okay, some of you, you don't like to read anything new. But be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Romans chapter 1 verse 28. Romans chapter 1. Verse 28. We'll come to Romans 12, don't worry. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, I think James says to retain God, in their minds. God gave them up. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The New American Standard Version says to a depraved mind. To do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness and all that. But I want us to note here that it starts with the way of thinking, the spirit of the mind. And when you don't retain God in your memory, retain is to keep. Retain is to guard, to hold back God in your thinking. And the Bible is saying that because they did not retain God in their minds, God gave them up. Many of us, God just takes a stroll through our minds. But he's not retained in our minds. And when we do not retain God in our minds, God gives you over to a depraved or reprobate mind. The word reprobate is defined as cruel, 
God have mercy. Merciless, irreconcilable, severe, unappeasable, unforgiving, unyielding, pitiless. That's a reprobate mind. Unyielding, it doesn't yield to anything. If God's word says that the mind does not yield, it doesn't give in, unappeasing. And when your mind is like that, God comes to your mind. He brings knowledge to your mind. But the retention depends on you and I. Because they did not retain God in their way of thinking. When you retain God, he changes the way you think. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Many years ago, I was going to get married. And after all the arrangements, whatever was going on, I went to church one Sunday afternoon. When I came back, my father had come to the city where I was in Accra. And he called me to his room and said, my daughter, you say you are going to get married? We've done the customary marriage, the engagement. And um, I wanted to ask you a few more questions. I said, oh, daddy, ask on any question. I will answer. Uh, this man you are going to get married to. How long have you known him for? I said, oh, I was very confident. I said, daddy, for a long time. In 1982, when I went to the university, I met him. That time, some of you were not born. And in 1984-85, we became beloveds. And as we are speaking now, it's 1989. So, Daddy, I know him very well. Oh, I see. My father used to be a very strict man. Whenever you called my house at 7 p.m., whether you were male or female, he would ask you, why are you calling my daughter at such a late hour? <laughs> and... Whenever I had a call from a male, he would tell the person, she's not in. She's gone now. She's not in. And so, when I got a beloved, we were thinking of ways. How can we call each other to be in touch with each other? And so, my beloved devised a plan that he would let his sister call me with a female voice. <laughs> Now, when the sister calls me, oh, Adelaide, how are you? My father will hear the female voice. But then when I come on, then his sister will pass the phone to him. And the sisters, they were my sheep, so everything was in order. And we had many extensions in the house. So sometimes, although it wasn't the right thing to do, I would hear some heavy breathing on the other extensions in the house. And I had a big brother who was very rebellious. So every time he had a call and he had some breathing on them, he would take it as an opportunity to give it to my father because you are not supposed to be on it. <laughs> so he would tell his friend, in this modern age, I'm surprised that people can be so primitive. And I'm surprised that, I mean, somebody can actually sneak in on your call in this day and age. People who do that are one, two, three. And my father cannot also say, why are you talking to me? 
But anyway, so whenever I felt a presence on the other phones, I would just say to my beloved, coded, it means there's somebody there. Then my beloved would say, okay, then bye-bye, later. That was it. So this was a kind of strictness I had lived in. And even to tell my father that I had a beloved, I never went up front to say, I have to find ways and means. So when my father said, do you know this? I said, oh, yes, for years. I know that my father is very strict and he would like me to walk in purity. Then my father said, I'm not talking about that kind of knowledge. I am talking about if you know him as a man. I was shocked. Initially, I didn't understand. I said, oh, yes, I know him. I mean, we go to the same fellowship and my father had to explain further. And I could see he was getting irritated. He said, I mean, do you do what men and women do? <laughs> and I said, Daddy, the word of God says that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are not supposed to give our bodies to each other before marriage. My father said, you interpret the Bible anyhow. You get a verse and then you give any interpretation. He said, so, you know, my daughter, just take me in confidence. Don't be afraid. I mean, I just want to know, you know, has anything gone on? And I said, no, daddy. Then he turned to my mother, who is called Gina. Gina, the guy is not normal. How can a man look at the face of a woman for so many years and not touch a gin the guy is hiding something? At this stage, my father was up and he said, let me tell you something. I'm not signing any marriage register till you get pregnant. And prove to me that the man is capable of doing something. And then I started my speech again. I said, Daddy, you know, you remember I didn't really want to do law because I thought I wanted a fast profession. But you advised me to do law, and I'm very happy about it. But when it comes to you and God, and there are two opposing things, I have to obey God. My father said, yeah, there you go again with your interpretation. So I turned to my mother who was drying her hair. My mother has been, always been accommodating, sweet, loving. So I turned to her as a way of escape. My mother said, listen to your father. <laughs> I was very surprised. But it taught, it taught me something. That my way of thinking and my dad's way of thinking were two different things. And that the spirit of the mind, he was doing it out of love. He was doing it out of concern. It even had a logical reason but it was still not the knowledge of God. And I believe that God gave us that grace to retain the knowledge of God. And he said to me, you are interpreting the Bible anyhow. But I knew that I wasn't interpreting the Bible anyhow. My father got up in a rage and said, get out of my room. And I'm not coming to any wedding, any signing. If you want to have a wedding, have a blessing. I'm not coming. It's a blessing, I'll come, but and then he asked me, have you seen how your big sisters got married in grandeur and style? I didn't answer, but yes, I've seen. Of course, I was there. <laughs> he said, if you want that kind of wedding, 
If you want me to spend that amount of money on you, then you have to get pregnant before you marry. So I felt driven out like a chicken or, I don't know, a hen. <laughs> and I was walking, you know, in the area just weeping and talking to God and Lord, strengthen me. I didn't even understand what was happening. I, mean, I was surprised. A strict man would just shift to the other side, which meant that perhaps he hoped that we were discovering things for ourselves. Because for you to ask me that, you know, so I was just crying in the streets and all that. Well, true to his word, no wedding came on. We had a blessing. And my father was not happy with me. So on the day that we're going for the blessing of our marriage in a little church, my parents got dressed and they said to me, we are taking the lead. How are you? Are you coming? I, the bride, am I coming? <laughs> so they left me at home. Because it's just a blessing, so whatever I want to do, however I want to get there, they, they are going. I've never seen a bride left before, but I was left. Then my beloved came for me. The bridegroom comes. <laughs> beloved came for me. He worked on that day in the hospital. Then after he had closed in the afternoon, around 12, he came for me. So the bride and groom, they arrived at the church together. <laughs> and we had our blessing. We had very few people at the blessing. And Reverend Saki stammered throughout the wedding out of fright. It was the first time we were using the marriage vows. But today, my father says that my husband looks like Christ, that God's hand is on us, that is the doing of the Lord. But it comes from the way you think. And he felt very confident about how he thought. Those were his thought patterns. He thought that he had to ensure his daughter's security and safety. And he felt that, why do you go into a marriage having not tested the waters? And in Africa, you know, having a child is a big thing. So I think even that, he probably wanted us to have a blessing so that if there's any disgrace, it won't be much. Because to his thinking, when a man does not touch you, he's either important or there's something wrong with him. That is... The carnal mind. That is the spirit of the mind of the world. That is how the world thinks. And it will appeal to you because it makes sense. It is not a foolish way of thinking. It makes sense. It is logical. And it's even tempting. Because then now you say, oh, when I test the waters, it doesn't work. I, I wouldn't have gone too far. But when I've not tested the waters, I go so far, I cannot come out. I'm in prison. What is that? It's the way of thinking. Because they did not retain God in their minds, he gave them up to a depraved mind. And when you are thinking that way, you don't even know that it's depraved. You feel very confident about the way you are thinking. And you feel that it is right. But the Lord is calling on us this morning to change our thinking. Hallelujah. Our thinking, the spirit of the mind, the attitude of the mind must change. And when your mind operates well, the actions follow. And so when God gave them up to their reprobate minds, then the manifestation starts. The actions begin from there. It says that then you become filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil. It is from the way of thinking. That is the starting point. And then the Bible says in Romans 12, Be not conformed to this world. 
It means that the world's way of thinking doesn't go with God's way of thinking. And to be conformed is to agree, to become like the way the world thinks. You know, sometimes some things are manufactured. said, these are conformed to EU regulations and rules. European Union, it means that there's a certain standard that has been set. That whatever has been manufactured has met those standards. In the same way, your mind can meet the standards of the world. Our minds are like cake tins. What you pour in, into a heart-shaped cake tin, that's the mold that you get. And the Bible says, don't be cast into the mold of the world, but be transformed by the way you think. Be transformed. Transformation means change. Change. Be changed by the renewal of your mind. And then the next verse, Romans 12, 3, I believe, says, let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to think. The spirit of your mind leads you to, to think a certain way about yourself. Hallelujah. It didn't say don't think highly of yourself. It says don't think more highly than you ought to think. So think highly, but not more highly than you ought to think. Hallelujah. So do not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. So even the way you perceive yourself, your self-worth, your self-esteem all comes from the way you think. And when we think that God does not love us, it also affects our actions. When we think that God does not love us, we devalue the value we put on ourselves. It goes down. We come down on the value that we place on us because we think, this is God. He doesn't care. He doesn't love He's just, I'm not special. But when you think you are special, you behave special because of the way you think. And so as women, it's true that we have emotions, it's true that we have the spirit, but our minds are also very important. The way your mind works, that's what leads you in choosing a future partner. Hallelujah. Because your mind is programmed in a certain way. So when God brings you somebody who is a blessing, you say, oh, this is not my type. This is not my kind. Because you are not thinking the right way. You see, when I was younger in the university, a friend of mine, a gentleman was interested in her. And the gentleman went to visit her at home. When he went, the mother was doing some gardening. And quickly the gentleman removed his shirt, started to till the soil. And my friend was not impressed. I mean, what's that? You have to be cool, you know, suave, soft-spoken. So, when she called me, I said, oh, he's failed the test. I mean, what's that? He's too forward. You've come small. You've joined gardening, taking on your shirt. You are in the frame. But later, on hindsight, you know, when it got to the time when my friend wanted to marry, all the people who were good, who could have been a blessing to her, she had shoved them aside due to this girlish, shallow way of thinking. So it is a road that we have walked on with regret. And then your girlfriends come and show you the letters from the various people. Then when you look, you say, ah, moonlight, walk, and oh, he's failed. What type of talk is that? And so your friends influence the way you think. And they influence your choices. And sometimes, if you are interested, but because your friends are. 
And so you don't even give it a second thought. And then later, you say, oh God, remember me. He remembered you long ago. But it is your way of thinking. What are you looking for in a mate? Are you looking for things that matter? Or for things that are fleeting? And things that don't really make a successful marriage? The spirit of the mind. The way the mind works is not the right thing. In Acts 17, in Acts 17, it says about the people of Berea. It says the people of Berea were more noble than the people of Thessalonica because they received the word of God with readiness of mind. And then they searched the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. In fact, the New American Standard Version says they were more noble-minded. So even your mind, there are levels. Some minds are not noble-minded in the way they function. Some thought patterns are not noble. But you can choose the way you process your thoughts. You can choose what you think about. And you can choose how you think. And these people in Berea had a readiness of mind. When the gospel came, but many of us, we have stubbornness of mind, rebelliousness of mind, fighting of mind. We, to the word of God, we are sitting here, but the word cannot penetrate. And the people had a readiness of mind before they said the scriptures. But some of you, you are analyzing and searching what your pastor is saying without readiness of mind. When you have readiness of mind and you receive, and then later you search the scriptures to see if those things are so. It makes you noble-minded. But when, whilst the word is coming, you are busy finding faults and looking to see, not to know God better, but to just be a critical person, you will not be blessed with the word. And our attitude, our thoughts, patterns, the way we think about the word of God affects who we are. Readiness of mind. Your mind must be ready when it comes to God's word. Your mind must be ready when God is saying something contrary to the way you feel. Readiness of mind. Turn to the sister next to you. Say, do you have readiness of mind? Is your mind ready when the word of God comes? The Bible talks about loving the Lord your God with all your mind. It talks about with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. When your mind loves God, it functions in a different way. Hallelujah. Amen. I think that I've had enough experiences in life to know that I love God. How would I know that? Because sometimes God calls on me to do things that are very difficult. And when he calls on me to do things that are very difficult, you know, I pray like Jesus, God, this thing I don't feel like doing it. Nevertheless, not my word, and not my will, but yours be done. There are times when I've obeyed God crying, but I've obeyed him. And then, after those moments have passed, I say to God, God, I think I'm sure that I love you. Because there have been many moments when I've had the opportunity to choose to be this or to be that, and, and to walk a difficult road. But if you said it, Help me to trust you and to take one step at a time. You can love God with all your mind. You can love God with part of your mind. 
You can love God with a little of your mind. And you can love God with all your mind. When your mind is functioning properly, we don't have many problems. Talking to you, exhorting you, explaining to you. Because you have readiness of mind when the, when the word of God comes. It wasn't easy when my husband said he was coming full time. And I was not working at that time. Because I had little children that there was nobody to care for. And he believed that God had called him to come into full-time ministry. Do you know the things, the battles you have in your mind? Our minds are the greatest battle places. But when you look at it, you say the person says that he believes that God has called him to do this. I am a wife. I may be thinking about a lot of things and finding it difficult. But if it is God's will, I will support. It is not an easy place to come to. But you cry, weep, be sad, everything but obey him. Because you love him. Love the Lord your God with all your mind. It's not easy to just release my husband into ministry. I also have needs as a woman. And I also have needs that have to be fulfilled at certain times. But at certain times, he has to go. And I know that he has to go. Your mindset at that time can determine whether you love God with your mind. Because your mindset can be, eh, there you go again. As for me, when, of course, there should be balance. But there will always be sacrifice. Somebody has to pay the cost so that somebody else will gain. And ladies, when your pastor's wives pay the cost, celebrate them. Don't make them your rivals and your competitors. Celebrate that because they are losing something so that you will gain something. Hallelujah. Don't take them for granted. This woman cry. What does she do for me? It's my pastor who helps me. And my pastor is loving. And my pastor... If she creates a scene in the home, your pastor cannot be a blessing to you. She has to lose something so that you will gain something. So celebrate her. When you see her, at least, say good morning. She's not a flower pot. She's not part of the furniture. She's a human being. Amen, ladies. Love the Lord your God with all your mind, with your way of thinking, with your thought processes. Love the Lord your God. But this morning, the place where I want to zero in on is humility of mind humility of mind. Hallelujah. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Verse 19. Then Philippians chapter 2. Acts chapter 20. Verse 19. The battlefield is in the mind. It's not somewhere else. The people of Israel did not enter the promised land because of their way of thinking. Whenever something went wrong, they had a suspicious way of thinking. And many of you, when something happens, naturally you don't have good thoughts. The first thought that comes to you is not a good one. When something goes wrong, the first thought is not, oh, this person just had an unfortunate situation. The first thought is, this person is evil. He had evil motives. He had an evil mind. That's why he did what he did. But that is not the kind of mind you should have. A suspicious mind. A mind that 
when somebody does something, you manufacture a reason and a motive behind what the person is doing. And sometimes it's very difficult to get you to change your opinion. Your opinion is more than the word of God. Your husband doesn't have a chance. But everything he does, you read motives into it. And you feel that you are so right. But your mind, when renewed, should be inclined to think what is good. Make excuses for people. Hallelujah. When people are somewhere, they manifest. They say, oh, this is not happy. The person is having some challenges. When she comes out of it, she'll be okay. And when you give that reasoning behind the actions, it makes it easier to walk in love. Hallelujah. But when you have a suspicious mind, everything. If your husband does this, ah, he's going here. If he says, ah, he's doing that. If he does, oh, he's... The marriage will not be healthy. Because all of it is evil thinking, evil thoughts, evil motives, evil reasoning. And those of you who are melancholic, it's natural. It's a natural way of thinking. You don't think good things at the first. But even if you begin to think bad thoughts, retract it and allow good thoughts to come out. Hallelujah. Sometimes in the cathedral, people just manifest. I mean, you just wonder, is this person normal? They just manifest. I don't know if I told you the story last year. A lady, you know, I was driving to come to church to come and park. And I thought that I scraped her car a little. That was my mind. And then the back thing that the fender came off. So when I came to church, I immediately told the attendants of the parking lot that, oh, I just went by a car, you know, this make and this color, and the fender has come off, so please find the person so that we can speak to the person and sort it out. And then I went into the service. After the service, I had to see to some guests to take them downstairs and come up. And when I came, they said, a lady is looking for you. And I came, she was all swollen up. Madam, in fact, my car. I, I was even surprised at the way the fender came off. I was wondering if it was weak already. <laughs> she hit the roof. What weak already? There were people there saying, Oh, it's okay. Then I said to her, I went up to her and I put my purse. Calm down. Calm down. I'll fix whatever it is for you. Calm down. But because she had the mind that I was hit and ran or whatever. I wanted to run away or I want, and she was very unpacified. So I sent my assistant. I said, go with her. The car is just here. Go with her. Find out what is wrong. Write it down. And I'll get a mechanic now to fix it for you. I was even talking to her. So, and then she said, the other people were saying, oh, it's okay. It's the first lady. She'll by all means sort it out for you. First lady and so what? First lady and so what? <laughs> and then I was just quiet, you know. So they went with her to the car. When they went, there were some guys there. So, oh, madam, there's nothing wrong with your fender. You know, with golf cars, there's a hook. And the hook had just come off. So they just put it on. Back for her. Of course, she couldn't come back to say anything. A few weeks after, Mrs. Saki comes to me and says, oh, there's a lady with a lot of problems. You know, her name is this. And I want, I think Lady Pastor Benjamin was also one of them. Lady Pastor Maya was saying, you really need to speak into her life. 
She really needs to hear from you. She needs help. So I said, really? Okay, then let's schedule her. What's her name? She mentioned, I said, hi. <laughs> that is this I know. Uh, but I had said to my other assistants who were around the car, and they were saying that, in fact, they can't believe it. And this lady, she knows me. She about she knows you. So I said, do you know, maybe I look very annoying to this woman. I'm sure that she has a lot of problems in her life. And she sees me, and I look problem-free. <laughs> you know, it's just a look, but people judge by looks. Oh, she looks problem-free. You know, and I have all these problems, whatever. So I was telling them, you know, give her a chance. You don't know why she behaved that way. And then one doctor who was there, because this lady was a doctor, said, huh, I think you are right. She sits at the back of the services these days, and every time the preaching is going on, she weeps, and she weeps, and she weeps. And, she, and when I delved deeper, there were a lot of issues. And I thank God for that thought, because honestly, it didn't occur to me that what she should, I was just surprised at the manifestation, but I was totally all right. I didn't, even, I didn't even bother to tell my husband that this woman, and then she did this. No, at all. And later, I got to know who she was. Her issues were a lot. She has been struggling with a lot of things. And so maybe the things were up to here. Then you two, you come and remove her fender. She will just face you and be happy. But the way you think, will allow the church of God to go on and not get broken. Hallelujah. If you think the right way, you love the Lord your God with your mind, the way you think, it will change. But some of us, hey, you touch me, I touch you. Why should you talk to me like that? Who do you think you are? You will be surprised that it's love that conquers all. And you will be surprised that when you don't get involved, the quarrel ends quickly. But when you get involved, hey, and the bishop's wife, and then this happened, and then, then later when my husband had said, hey, how come I've never heard this story before? It's not necessary. It's just a story. It's not, and just before I came, she was standing in front, waiting for everyone, so I not sure whether to greet me. So, how are you? I hope you are well. Says, well. Amen. But because people are going through things, we judge them too quickly. Their mind. She's somewhere. She should get away. She's a... Have you ever thought behind it? Why the person behaves the way she does? Acts 20. The spirit of the mind. The spirit of the mind. Acts 20 verse 19. Acts 20 verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews. Hallelujah. It takes humility of mind to serve the Lord. And it is something that you bring as an offering to give unto God. Humility of mind. Serving the Lord with all humility of mind and temptations and tears. Our tears are things that we serve God with. Temptations are trials. You are going through them, but you serve God with them. And humility of mind is also an attitude that you serve God with. 
Hallelujah. And when you read Philippians 2, it says that, shall we go there? Don't worry, I'm about ending. Hallelujah. Humility of mind. I think that if you are to go find the ministry, you need a humility of mind. Humility about yourself. Humility about God's people. Humility about the work. If you don't have humility of mind, you will not have humility of attitude. You'll be very proud and very puffed up and something else. And God does not use such people. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceits. But with humility of mind, King James says lowliness of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Hmm. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you also which was in Christ Jesus. Christ had it, but you too permit, allow this mind to be in you also. Hallelujah. Let this mind, this book, this version says, this attitude, spirit of the mind, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. Hmm. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bought servant and being made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. You are God, you become a man. And when you become a man, you humble yourself further. Hmm. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above all names. Many women are called to submission by God. Ephesians 5 says wives. Wives. If you want to be a wife, you have to ask yourself, do I have a submissive spirit? Because if you don't have a submissive spirit, you can be a girlfriend, you can be a beloved, you can be a damsel, you can be something else, but you cannot be a wife. Wives, submit unto your own husbands. Some of us, we submit to pastors. We submit to our pastors at work, at our work bosses at work, our CEOs, but we don't submit to our own husbands. That which is your own, that which you are familiar with, you don't submit to. When you come to church, say, oh, Pastor Michael, can I give you a drink? Oh, have a drink. Or when it's your husband, I say, didn't you see the kettle? <laughs> Help yourself. Okay. What's your problem? And some of the brothers, they see, that, they see that you are serving. Oh, Pastor, have a drink. Oh, Pastor, eat some more. Say, if I marry her, <laughs> she will serve me. Hey. It doesn't follow. Amen. <laughs> Let nothing be done through strife. Strife, fighting. In fighting and out fighting. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Another verse says pride or conceit. The Bible says a lot of contentions come because of pride. Let nothing, not some things, not a few things, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. You want glory that's vain? Let God give you the proper glory, not vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, it starts with the mind. It's when you feel you are somebody. When you feel I'm great. I'm madam me. I've come. Loneliness of mind. When you don't have loneliness of mind, that is when, when people rub you the wrong way. You manifest. You come fully and you manifest fully. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. God never asks us to do things. He has not given us an example of in his word or through his saints or through his son, he will show you that you can go that way. He gave us the example of his son. Even Jesus needed a spirit of a mind, a certain way of thinking. How much more you? Jesus has never sinned, but let this mind be in you also. It means that we cannot change your mind without your permission. Let, permit, allow this mind to be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. It means that you can not forbid, disallow the mind to be in you. Let this mind. Ladies, open up. Allow your minds to be changed. Hallelujah. Allow your minds to become lowly. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We say we are Christians, but we don't have God's mind. Who being in the form of God? You, what form are you in? <laughs> being in the form of God. You are not God yet. These small wooden chairs you sit on. It has made you what? Who being in the form of God. Thought it not robbery. To be equal with God. But humbled himself. Being found in the form of man. I want to continue reading. Uh -huh. It says that, do not merely look out for your own personal interests and regard one another more important than himself. Many homes are shaken because we don't regard the other as more important than ourselves. The other person's interest is not more important than your interest. The other person's opinion, when there's a war and nobody, you can't agree, the best way to agree is for you to consider the other person's opinion better than yours. Even if you feel you are so right, like I was saying yesterday, say, I think I'm right, but I may be wrong. And decide to see things from the other person's perspective. Just maybe. You say, this is so. The person says, it's not so. Go and stand at where he's standing. And, and look at it from there and decide that, well, maybe it, he could be right. Maybe it's not so. Let me take on his opinion. And if it's not against God's word, consider it better than my own. Maybe he's standing here, so he's seeing this pulpit from another angle. I'm standing here, I'm seeing it from another angle. So consider the other person better than yourself. We are all intrinsically selfish. And we are all intrinsically people who look out for ourselves. And we say to ourselves, I will never be cheated. I will never be put down. But it says, consider others 
better than yourself. More highly, better. It means you are good, oh, but there's somebody better. That person may be your wife. That person may be your husband. But if we're all considering each other, the interests, opinions, and other things of the other person better, there will be a lot of calm. Because you would take mine to be better. I would take yours to be better. And we are moving. Hallelujah. Though he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was equal with God. He was there from the beginning. But he didn't think that, let me clutch to this thing so that I will never have to lose it. Let me hold on to it. I'm not changing. I'm not compromising. If even God's will is something else, I'm not giving in. No. He didn't count equality with God, something to be grasped at. Some of us, we are holding on to so many things. God cannot move on with you. And it all starts with the mind. So unless the mind of Christ is in you, then you cannot function that way. But he didn't consider it something to be grasped at. For although, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and being made in the likeness of man. The emptying has to come from you. An angel can't do it for you. Your pastor cannot do it for you. You have to empty yourself. Hallelujah. And if you don't empty yourself, life will empty you. <laughs> you will go to the school of hard knocks. And the school of hard knocks will teach you a lesson. Go and ask the older ladies. The older ladies, sometimes they look at young ladies, hey, this road, we have walked on it before. Now we don't look so energetic, but we have been on this. Take it easy. Life is not like you think. Hallelujah. In the cathedral, I tell you, I see young ladies on their high heels and you know, going, get, get. I say, hey, what are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm going to watch uh, a good movie at my friend's house. From there, I'm going here. And, uh, I said, hey, enjoy it whilst it lasts. Oh, Sister Mami, can it change? As for me, I will ensure that, you know, I have this and that. Ah, really? The mind is not working properly. <laughs> Later when I see that there was a lady, no loneliness of mind. From day one of the marriage, she was some way. Always facing her husband. You know, and when they got married, the husband was working in another country, so he would come at weekends. Whenever he came, no food in the house, not even one granite. And the man started to complain. Then the lady was saying, you know, lady, pastor, my nails. I can't be soaking my nails into water like that. And she was saying that she hadn't been brought up in a home where they cook. She's an only child. You know, how will she, whatever. And this year, I saw her on the car park. This lady's always in high heels. Oh, flat slippers, very bad. With some dress. So I called her and said, hey, is this you? Even I cannot believe that this is me. Even I cannot believe her nose has grown big. Hey, hey, somewhere, you know, the effects of pregnancy. She's looking slow, dragging herself along. So, even the church members have told me, she works in a bank. Now, when they go to the bank, her nose is in the air. She doesn't say hi. She says she's the manager of customer service or whatever. She doesn't do it to me, but then some people wait. I said, really? Now, she was like, I said, so have you been humbled? Is there a word more than humble? <laughs> I've been humbled greatly. Sister Mami, humbled greatly. 
I said, but this one, you haven't even given birth. You wait when the child comes. So the baby came. Then she came for a baby dedication. Oh, her bag, her baby bag. Hey, I've forgotten. So she came with her husband to say hello to me. I asked the husband, how is the marriage? Oh, humility has come. It's working fully. It's working. And then she turned to give it to her husband and said, that's what I've been telling you, that allow God to change me. He said, she said, I have moved to my mother's house because I can't cope. She said, Mommy, in the night, the baby is crying. Then he too, because he doesn't live in Ghana, he would have gone. A lot of things. Then he wants me also to cook for him. You know? As for this humility, it's God who brought it all. It's God who brought it. So if you don't empty yourself, God will empty you. And life will empty you by itself. Hallelujah. He emptied himself. To make yourself empty is to give everything away. Isn't it great that when you empty, God fills? But you have to do the empty. We cannot force you. An angel of God cannot do it for you. You have to empty yourself of everything. And take the form of a slave or a servant. You have to take it upon yourself. Nobody can. And it all comes from loneliness of mind. Loneliness of mind will give you a servant spirit. Loneliness of mind will help you to forgive. You see, sometimes when you are offended, it is pride that doesn't help you to give up. I'm going to another church. Are there not other places? You feel that you are at liberty, you have democratic rights, you choose whatever you like and you just flow. But loneliness of mind will calm you down. And we say, I've been maltreated. I've even been shamed in many ways. But... I just decide to empty myself and take upon myself the form of a servant, not the form of a queen. Hallelujah. Amen. But the form of a servant. He was the son of God and he went through all these steps because of his loneliness of mind. What about you? You say, I'm a woman of the millennium. I'm a woman in America. In America, the word of God doesn't work. Submission doesn't work, lady pastor. <laughs> Submit unto God. When you are able to submit unto God, you will submit unto man more easily. And the key to submission is that the Bible says, ask unto the Lord. If you are always looking at the man, there are times when he will not deserve your submission. But if you are looking unto God, you will do it and God will honor you for your submission. Hallelujah. The divorce rates in America and the Western world is very high. And it all comes from, you see, somebody was telling me these days, the women come into marriage with two rights, with their rights. I said, what does it mean? It's two right hands. I know my rights and I know my rights. That's all. Let, each of, let this mind be in you, be in the form of God. Made himself of no reputation. Is your reputation very important to you? How people think about you. How people feel. Paul said, if I yet pleased men, I will not be a servant of God. And the ministry will call on you to empty yourself. I was telling them in Zurich, one day, a lady came for a cell group meeting, ministry meeting, and it was Mrs. Saki's group. 
And afterwards, Mrs. Saki came up and said, are there any people who have joined us for the first time? They stood up, they clapped for them. And she said, if you have any questions about the church or anything, feel free to ask. So one lady came forward and then she gave a narrative. She said, oh, when I joined the church, you know, I've been seeing the bishop's wife from afar and I really feel that I like her and I feel drawn to her and attracted to her. But one day I went to have my clothes made and I saw a calendar with she and her husband on it. And so I was telling the people in that place that, oh, this woman, I now go to their church. I really love her, but I don't know her very well. Then there was an elderly man in the house who said, this woman, this one on this calendar, you love her? Hey, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? <laughs> so the lady asked, why? This woman, don't you know that she attempted to poison her husband? Have you not heard this story? Don't you know? And the lady said, really? She said, oh, all oh, the church members know. But they are just embarrassed, so they don't say it. Even the pastors know. What happened is that the man was rushed to Kolebu. And they said, what did you eat? He said, the, the food my, husband, my wife gave. When they look, poison, poison, poison. <laughs> this woman. Is she the woman you like? You don't know. It's just that the man, you know, he thought that if he divorces her, it would be too disgraceful. So he's just hushing it up. But she's not a good woman. A woman who poisons her husband, she's not a good woman. So the lady said that so says that every time she comes, she just... <laughs> so these are the things going on. Really? And she had never asked. But somehow, by the Spirit of God, they gave opportunity to come and ask. So Mrs. Saki, at that time I was out of town. So when I came, we had a pastor's meeting in the basement. Mrs. Saki came to me and said, hey, even they should say that about me. But you, <laughs> to poison someone. And it was during our 10th wedding anniversary, which we were celebrating with a wedding and all that. And my husband said, really? So you poisoned me? And then I decided that I would celebrate our marriage. After 10 years, you know. So they say there's no smoke without fire. It's not true. There's a lot of smoke without fire. I don't know where the story came from. I don't know. But, you know, I wanted to flex my mask. I remember I wept so much. And I was saying, how many people know? How many people believe it? How many people? But am I now going to call a meeting? So, you know, what's that? No. I emptied myself of my reputation. My reputation had been tainted but I emptied myself of it. Hallelujah. Your reputation will be tainted sometimes. You have to make yourself of no reputation if we are to go on with God. He came in the likeness of man with many limitations and tendencies, a lower being than God. He was in appearance like a man. He appeared like a man, but inside he was God. And you too, may appear like something that you are not for the sake of God and the ministry and your walk with him. It doesn't matter the appearance. What matters is what you really are. He became obedient unto God. He was also God, but he had to be obedient. You, you are not God, but you are a child of God. <laughs> you also need to be obedient. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he became obedient to the point of death. 
Many of us, we don't go all out to be obedient. I'm saying that Jesus was able to go through all these steps because of the lowliness of mind. Your state of mind takes you through so many journeys in your life. Your state of mind takes you through many steps and brings you to a certain place. And lowliness of mind, when we look at Jesus, is what brought him to this place. He became obedient even unto death. Some of us, we are obedient but unto life. We are obedient but unto comfort. We are obedient but unto our own interest and our own. But what about even unto death? Even if it means you have to die to yourself, to the things you love, to the things you cherish, even unto death. It is only loneliness of mind that will bring us to that point. People don't just get up and sacrifice their lives. All these terrorists and Hezbollah, and it's from the spirit of the mind. They are conditioned from there before they become terrorists or suicide bombers. Hallelujah. Even obedience, he was obedient even unto death. Hallelujah. Even death on a cross, not just death, but death on a cross, shame, ridicule, where you felt God had forsaken you, where you feel that man has taken over, all that you can endure through lowliness of mind. That all that I'm going through, God has a purpose. God has a plan. God will sustain me. It will be well. It will end well. I trust God. It is a way of thinking that helps us to overcome our trials. It's the way of thinking that helps us to overcome our tribulations. Hallelujah. Hmm. Where are we? Therefore, God also hath highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above all names. Hallelujah. Therefore, it is your way of thinking that influences your actions. And it is your actions that attract the favor of God on your life. Therefore, therefore means because of this. Therefore, owing to this, God hath also highly exalted him. What you are prepared to walk away from determines what will come to you. Hallelujah. Lowliness of mind to serve one another. Loneliness of mind to serve in the house of God. Loneliness of mind to forgive those who don't deserve our forgiveness. Loneliness of mind to empty ourselves and to be obedient. And then therefore, your therefore will come when you allow loneliness of mind to rule in your life. May God bring you to the therefore in the name of Jesus. May he give you the grace so that the spirit of your mind will be transformed. That spirit that influences your mind will begin to think the way God thinks. Therefore, God also, also, it means that when something happens, God also, God also reacts to the way you act. Your actions sparks a reaction from God. Therefore, God also hath highly, highly exalted him. And given him a name that at the mention of that name, may Jehovah exalt you. May he highly exalt you because you went down because of the lowliness of your mind. Oh, may God begin to do a new thing. May your mind begin to be repaired today. May there be renewal 
in the spirit of your mind. I come against every demonic hold over the people's minds. I come against every demonic hold over our thought patterns. I come against every demonic spirit behind the way we think. Oh, I speak change in the name of Jesus. Change in the way we think. Change in the way we function. For when we think right, our feet will walk right. Oh, that the grace of God will come upon you. And that you will let this mind be in you also, which was also in Christ. So that your therefore will come to pass. God richly bless you. Amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.